secrets to living life full out. Order your copy now by going to www.thedrpatshow.com or call Bobby at 206-550-6316. That's 206-550-6316. Join world-famous shaman and healer Brent Secunda for a special weekend seminar February 24th through the 26th in Seattle. Take part in this extraordinary opportunity to experience shamanism, healing, and ceremonial celebration that explores the Weechul India tradition with a featured slide presentation of renowned shaman Don Jose Matsua. Rich mythology and incredible visionary artwork bring rejuvenation and balance to your life. Heal your body, heart, and spirit through ancient shamanic techniques. Join Brandt on February 24th through the 26th in Seattle. Dr. Pat's listeners will receive a 10% discount to the event. Call 831-475-9560 or email info at shamanism.com for more information. Views expressed on the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. This is Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Yes, indeed. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. And thank you for listening. This is truly the Dr. Pat Show. And another fabulous show coming to you today. This is, again, what we call a twofer. I love that. Where did I come up with that? I don't know, but it sounds like you're ordering something from a restaurant. Don't you think? Uh, excuse well, me, can I get what? the twofer? It's a special well, for the day. it's true. Yeah. People that listen to the show, they're ordering, man. They've got a menu, and they're saying, you know, my life is about thriving, and that's why we're <laughs> tuning in to the yeah. Dr. P Show. Extra whipped cream on top of that That's tuber. right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. That's why we get so many voicemails and emails whenever we play the news uh, on the air. And they go absolutely, listeners go ballistic. They're like, what is that? <laughs> CNN what? Well, that's hey, not going to happen phone. today. That's not good. Hey, you know what? Can I answer that? I'm just mimicking the last oh. show. That's no, all. That's good. Uh, today's show is great. We have fabulous, fabulous show. You heard last uh, last month. You heard the conversation we had about God without religion. Shankara Sharanam, and he is a writer, philosopher, lecturer, unbelievable individual, taking his message out into the world. This book, God Without Religion, is a an award winning book. And if you go to the website, God Without religion.com what you're going to find is he's piling up the interviews for sure and you're going to find articles you're going to be able to check in and ask all of the divine questions that come to you around your sacred journey the way that you enter the world so welcome to the show Thank you, thank you. You know, there is so much. You and I were talking during the break. There is so much to talk about. But, you know, and, and we're talking about the, uh, the different things in the media, the, the, in, you know, on the news and so forth and so on, and how things are slanted. And, you know, you, you wrote this book, God Without Religion, for a reason. And I think it would be important to remind everyone what is your purpose, what is your message, and why is this so important to you? Well, uh, God Without Religion is a lot about the dangers inherent in any form of centralized power. Uh, when I say religion, I don't mean the reg regimented or devotional life or 
you know, pray or anything like that. I mean the the danger inherent in organized religion, centralized religion, centralized institutions um, to to which we distance our power. And that can be a, a media outlet, you know, that uh, has a particular bias and, um, again, wants to, has a centralized control on millions of people, on millions of minds with um, disinformation, misinformation. Uh, it could be a centralized political uh, institution. It could be a you know a, a party, party affiliation. Any sort of narrowing of the identity is uh, can be very dangerous, and we're seeing a lot of that in the world today. Let me ask you this question because you know I come from this place that we're all at choice, and it's really you know wonderful that we have two shows back to back. Next next interview uh, after this is also about the truth. You know why is it then you know that we as human beings you know with all of the freedom the freedom that we have to choose why is it that we choose to believe sort of the institutionalized version of life? Well, I guess I'd first of all question the very premise uh, that we are free to choose when we are when we're raised uh, in a in a system a social system that that already limits the, the questions we can ask. Yeah. Limits the thoughts that we think. Um, there's a certain um, dumbing down that's going on with the entertainment industry. Uh, there's um, there is set certainly an indoctrination of um, when it comes to where we are. We expect that we'll find happiness. Uh, we're you know we're told you'll find happiness in this and that, um, and in not in something else. Um, there's also the strong click mentality we want to feel belonging to something um so no i i don't think we we start out free to choose uh, if we did uh, oh boy this, this system um corporate system you know um again the, the neoconservative neoliberal whatever narrowing identity um centralized institutions that that are around today that i don't think they'd survive i don't think they'd last well, you know, in the book, and for those of you just tuning in, I'm here with Shankara Sharnam, and we're talking about the book God Without Religion and many, many other things. And you know what? What I'd like to do is, you know, this is a fabulous opportunity. If you've got questions, comments, and want to call in for today's show, we're going to open up these phone lines right now. Because this is a conversation, and that's what I love about Wednesdays and about this show, is this is a conversation that I get to have, and uh, you all get to be invited to pitch in and have your questions come to the table. So we want to make sure that you have that opportunity at 425 There's a part in the book uh, that I wanted to ask you about. I mean, you know, I want to believe, all right? I want to believe that I have the freedom to choose. Yet at the same time, I've created this thing called crust busting, which says that we have layers of crust that stop us from really knowing, you know, what's going on inside our true nature. So you talk about in the book, the self and society. Mm. And you talk about the relationship between ethics and organized religion. And, uh, and I, I want to know from you uh, how those two really interplay to influence us in terms of the decisions we make. Wow, that's a big question. Now, don't you love the questions I ask? <laughs> well, you see, first of all, we have to ask ourselves what's our standard for right and wrong, for good and bad. And often as as religions form what they do is they take the pre-existing 
uh, on the ground ethical systems, and then they just adopt them. Usually, they codify them, they sanctify them, they sometimes alter them over time, or tweak them here and there as they're developing. But really, they don't really create them out of a vacuum. They're already existing. For example, no murder. You know, murdering is bad. Well, they might say because uh, uh, they create a god that might say, "Thou shalt not murder." But in fact, the, the no murdering. Murder is bad. Existed prior to the codification or the sanctification of the of the uh, edict. Um, but the question is, why is it bad? And the answer has always been because uh, social systems, society works better when murder is avoided. But the problem is, is that murder outside the social system is not bad, and it has never been bad. And even in the Judeo-Christian um, history, it's. Uh, Murdering outside the society is actually very good. Uh, you know, even the god of the Hebrews is a tribal war god who says, go and kill these people, take the land that I promised you, kill this if they do this, kill them if they do that. And, and there's a lot of history of, of war because it's murder outside the social system, which actually supports the, the inner, the, the uh, interior society. And, of course, that's not really a, a, at this point in time where the world is becoming so much smaller and, uh, the range of our missiles is so much farther, uh, it's, and our, our ability to identify as far out as the range of our modern weaponry is, re- is not yet uh, there. It's not yet equal. Um, that sort of standard doesn't work anymore, the, just the good of a society. There has to be something deeper. And religions, uh, because of the way that in the, they're formed in that divisive history, time in our history, uh, and very exclusive. They don't. They can't offer that. Uh, again, they never created the idea of thou shalt not murder in the first place. But they certainly didn't create the standard of why it's bad in the, either. So we have to find a new one. And I offer one in the book. Yes, you do. And uh, we're talking about the book God Without Religion. You know, we're talking. Uh, you talk about ethics in this book, and and you, you know, I I can't help believing that you know every day we live that we society individuals we get to redefine our our ethical blueprint and and for me from what i have you know had in my consciousness there are some things that are happening on a commonplace level that just blow me away for example Let's, for example, for example, somebody that works in a corporation 29 years and on the 29th year, the, the next day after that, finds out that their employment is no longer needed. I don't know. For me, there's something in my gut that says that is just not right. Am I like, you know, from another planet? Am I supposed to accept these things? What is it? That you, what, are, what are you calling for? Mm. Well, on the, on the surface of it, I'm calling for the expansion of the sense of self, uh, meaning that we identify with each other. Let's say this, in that particular example, yeah. the CEO might identify mm-hmm. with the employees, or rather, uh, even farther, that does not see any distinction between a corporation and the people that make it up, or the corporation and the, and the larger world around it, um, sort of like, um, you know, somebody like Gandhi might say, I don't want freedom for India at the expense of the world. I want freedom for India because it, it's good for the world. Um, you know, there's not really, where there's conflict of interest, there's something wrong in our perception and our attitude. Really, uh, 
we should see that the best thing for us is the best thing for everybody. And even though it may not seem that way in the, in the short term, mm-hmm. to our own narrow sense of identity, we have to expand that out. I think that's what I'm basically saying um, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. But, um, you know, as far as freedom, the freedom to to change, you know, our ethical standards, our ethical systems, sure we do. It, the only issue is that the conditioning that we can, we're coming to... Um, to the table with um, prior to making those changes or to questioning that you know it's already it's already there in us and so that's why I think a good important thing would be colloquium in other words talking with talking it out with other people who have different conditioning and therefore different questions they might raise and together we come to a higher understanding of what right and wrong you know it's really there's something um, that I, I I have your book you know and of course it, I've highlighted three courses <laughs> There's so many questions, but, you know, in following this conversation to the point of really talking about power, because, you know, we started out with me saying that, you know, I think there's the power of of choice and then having a conversation about that. Um, You know, there's something that you say when you call for testing today's choices in the latter part of the book you say infinite power then requires ever increasing freedom from the sluggish scattered and sense bound mind intuited as an attribute of an individuated self and I would want to have a conversation with you about that because you know how then can we come to see to feel to believe the wholeness that we are Boy, you know, you you read that sentence, and I'm thinking to myself, to people who haven't read the 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 200 pages before, it must <laughs> seem like Greek or cuneiform. Um, that's a really loaded sentence that's requiring a lot of. But um, you've hit you know you've hit upon a very important point. Knowledge is power. Uh, the power that we can uh, manifest. It's not power over others. It's really power over the narrow self. Power over conditioning. Power mm-hmm. over conditioned existence. That, no, that power is a function of our own self-knowledge. And so, therefore, if the self-knowledge is limited, the question, our power to ask even particular questions is limited. Our power to sacrifice for a larger identity is limited. Um, if you're looking toward non-finite power, which is important because in the discussions of religion, it's always, you know, there's always going to be about the infinite God, the omnipresent, the, the eternal soul, the heavenly abode, the um, eternal, you know, the reincarnation, endless rebirth, you know, any, you know, religions are about dealing with the phenomenon of death and uh, mitigating the fear that comes with it. And that necessarily uh, begs the question, how are they offering an infinite? How are they providing an infinite? What's the infinite, or let's say absolute basis for their ethical system? Um, How do we test that? How do I test my own knowledge base? with the manifestation of my of power um, and my ability to sacrifice. Uh, you know, this is a, I mean, this is really at the heart and soul of spirituality, yeah. uh, spirituality as it, as it connects with our society, how we view ourselves in the world, the world we're creating uh, with our actions, which are, again, dependent upon our own ideas of self. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, where do you want me to begin? Well, you know, I, I think you and I were talking before the show about the media, and, and I want to get back to this idea of testing today's choices. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel tested. 
I'm, you know, and I, I think we're talking to uh, uh, just amazing listeners out there that get tested every minute. And for example, you know, this whole cartoon issue that went around, uh, and you and I were chatting before we came on air about that. I mean, isn't the uh, the essence of what was it the the Danish cartoon? that then, you know, different uh, uh, religions came out and talked about, really, isn't that whole, if you, if you weigh into that conversation, isn't that really a test? Mm. Well, you know, to me, the idea that there's only one Muhammad or one Jesus or one Allah or one Yahweh is ludicrous. I can have a, I can create a cartoon of Jesus holding a bomb outside an abortion clinic, um, and I think it's a perfectly valid cartoon. Not because I think that all Christians or worshippers of the image of God in the form of Jesus are bomb-toting abortion haters, um, but rather because there is a small segment of the, you know, f- extremist po- Christian population that that acts in that way, um, in that violent way. That doesn't mean that the Jesus of the of another group is that way, but their Jesus is that way, meaning that they believe they're doing something in the name of God, then they believe that God is really doing it through them. Jesus would bomb an abortion clinic. They feel that way. That's their Jesus. There are millions of Jesuses in the world because everybody's creating their Jesus using the raw materials of artifacts in a different way. And there are similarly many, many versions of Muhammad uh, that are created by different temperaments in different parts of the world. Uh, there is a Muhammad that blows up Certain people uh, in a jihad that that some people have created. Uh, we can't deny that. There's also a Muhammad that would, would detest that. What does that really say? That people creating Muhammad in different uh, images. And so, um, yeah, it is a test. Uh, a test of what, how we feel about ourselves, about others, about right and wrong, about mm-hmm. all these things. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, uh, you've written this book, and you're absolutely right. I, I did pull a sentence out of the back of the book, and the book is, um, you know, the book is really, uh, um, as some would call it, a masterpiece in what you've outlined in in the, in, in here. And it really, for me, as I read the book and then I reread the book, I raise different questions about my own beliefs. And, you know, and what influences me in the world and and what do I choose to believe? And I wanted to ask you this question. There was a movie that came to Seattle and the movie was called One, One the Movie. And it's opening at different places around the country. It's not yet in full syndication. But this movie um, was a documentary created by a lawyer out of Michigan who decided that he wanted to talk to spiritual icons teachers from, from across the, you know, across the globe. And so he asked them a series of questions, and I wanted to speak with you about a couple of these questions. One of them is a question that uh, that had different responses from different people, and the question is, when is war justifiable? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I guess I'd say on a microcosm, um, you have a family unit um, that you are responsible for. Um, somebody coming in aggressively to um, do something violent to, to you or the members of your family family to whom you are responsible. Um, action taken, aggressive action taken to... Uh, undermine his chances of succeeding, I think are uh, appropriate. Um, 
that's the same goes for a, a community, if there's a community identity and there's an attack from outside the community or a national identity. I think in the ultimate sense, um, nations are fictions. You know, with, you know, boundaries and nations, national identities are conventions. When they get to extremes of importance, it becomes jingoism, nationalism, and often that's, um, that comes with an aggressiveness towards other countries and other nations. And I think uh, America, in large part, is is going through a phase of of, of uh, heightened nationalism. Uh, you know, since nine eleven, um, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I think uh, there is uh, appropriate times and places um, when there is a clear and present danger from an aggressor that will not listen to reason, that cannot be communicated with in open dialogue. Uh, you know, I think there are one should give us give chances for that. But if those chances are just being squashed, then obviously um, we're, um, action with uh, military action might be necessary. Well, yeah, and I guess what we're talking about is really uh, self-defense. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, basically. Yeah, uh, you in, know, in, in, uh, in a sense. Because you're not, you really can't do any, you're not doing anybody any good by allowing somebody, a violent person, to kill you. Right. Um, that just, you know, <laughs> I mean... There's no service you're providing to that violent person, nor to the world, nor mm-hmm. to the people you're responsible for, nor to anybody. Uh, and to, to say, oh, I'm nonviolent, and then run away is actually cowardice and selfish. Well, you know, and that's that's a question that really has really generated a lot of conversation. I've interviewed several people, and, and and I'm ready to put a panel together to actually have that conversation with a panel of people on air. So I'm hoping that you will participate in that when we get to that stage. Sure, I'd love to. That would be great. You know, um, I I think that folks, uh, if you're listening, I want to give you the website GodWithoutReligion.com. GodWithoutReligion.com. Uh, I want to ask you one last question, and um, and it has to do, and folks, in, in order for you to get the full essence of this book, uh, it, it really does require going to the website. You can listen to several other interviews. I'm hoping that uh, these in, this series will be up there as well, sure. and um, that you can uh, also grab a copy of the book um, and, and really be with it, uh, if, if for no other reason but to explore the questions. But here's what I would want to ask you. Are we all one? Uh, well, not only that, I think there never was a we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's I, the first time someone has answered that question that way. There we go. I think there's only been a one. There's ever been a one, and there never will be anything else but a one. And the idea of division of the infinite one is just a misperception that is useful as a prod to self-expansion. In other words, we're, we live in a, in a divided world, divided, I mean, by space, by time, by cause and effect, and by individuation. These are all divisional misperceptions. There actually is. These things are not absolutely real. The only thing that's absolutely real is the infinite substance itself, the infinite one. But these divisional misperceptions in this narrow band of space-time are useful in offering a playing field, if you will, for a context for the expansion of the individualized uh, ideas of self so so that it returns to uh, a non-finite self.
Oh, thank you. You know, let me ask you this. I, I'm sneaking another question in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the question is, what is your one wish for the world? Uh, boy, uh, I'd have to pack a lot into that one wish if I only got one. Um, but I, I suppose it would be, uh, uh, boy, depopulate. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? That's a great comment so that we can we can follow up on this conversation when you come back because you will be joining us again and we can continue that conversation. Sure. Um, because that, as, as many of the things you've written about, has many, many layers to it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you. And, uh, wow, I look forward to our next interview and we'll make sure we get copies of these shows to you so you can put them up on the website as well as well, being good. on my website. Thank you so much uh, for everybody listening. Uh, this was this interview, this conversation with Shankara Sharnam, and the book is God Without Religion. The website is godwithoutreligion.com. Many, many things there. Weigh in. What are your views? Uh, let us know. There's a place to do that. And make sure that you get your questions for the next time um, you know, that we have a conversation about God Without Religion. And you can do that by sending me an email to live, L-I-V-E, at thedrdrpatshow.com. Thedrpatshow.com. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. We'll take a short break, Benny, and when we come back, coming back with Dr. Nusheen Darvish, and we're going to be talking about changes that we go through, changes in the body, how they affect our mind, what some of the controversial issues are, and how each and every one of us can know our power through these. I'm Dr. Pat. This is the Dr. Pat. Show. And producer Benny. Oh, thank you so much. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Dr. Nusheen Darvish from Holistic Medical Center in Bellevue, bringing you the holistic health tip of the week. If you suffer from recurrent leg cramps, you may have a trace mineral deficiency or a potassium iodide deficiency. Extra dose of trace minerals or potassium iodide can reduce leg cramps. Potassium iodide must be taken under a doctor's supervision as it can affect thyroid function. This is Dr. Darvish from Holistic Medical Center. If you need more information regarding alternative natural therapies, please contact us at 425-451-0404. 425-451-0404. Or visit us at drdarvish.com. D-R-D-A-R-V-I-S-H.com. Sitting by the fire. Making memories Let's pass around the coffee Hear the whisper in the trees Another day behind us The moon is on the rise Finding your music With Ava tonight Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 5 a.m. for Finding Your Music here on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. You're listening to The Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. I'm 
Dr. Pat Basile, the host of the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Let me help you take your empowering message to a community of people looking for products and services that value all life on earth and tap into the one true freedom we have, the freedom to choose. Let our listeners choose you. Join the buzz and be the buzz. Sponsor the Dr. Pat Show. Call me at 206-523-5522. That's 206-523-5522. What cards are you holding? The Inquiring Mind introduces Aces, a winning hand that truly defines who you are as individuals. Do you know what hand you're holding? How to play that hand in life? Find Aces within yourself. Authenticity. I am authentic. Choices. I choose to explore authenticity. Empowerment. I am empowered by authentic choice. Success. I successfully observe my empowered choice of authenticity. Realize that you are a winning hand. March 11th and 12th at Barclays North Training Center in Everett. Space is limited. Contact Brenda B. Sheen at inqmind.com or call toll-free at 1-866-461-6463. Get into the mix in 2006, realizing you're a winning hand. <laughs> 